I'm Emily. I am Christine. And Christine, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about the films of Sigourney Weaver. (gasps) Bum, bum, bum. I don't know why that's her theme song. I guess her theme song should probably be like the whatever the musical cues from Alien are, but I don't know what those are. So (gasps) Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Now, uh, we had, you know, kind of thrown up a bunch of different ideas of how differently we might want to structure different episodes and try some new things and I said well let's do like actor spotlights let's take an episode where we just kind of dive into an actor that we both like and I said to you okay pick pick the first one and you said Sigourney Weaver so I would first like to know why Sigourney Weaver um well she was already really high up on my letterbox Mm. all times and um I wanted to start with um with a with an, a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> just I like cause, that. just because um because uh, i mean i think there's there's some actors that we've we've both probably seen a lot of um just because of the length of their career or sure. the genres that they work in and i think that um sigourney kind of does she spans all of that like she's been oh, yeah. working for so long but she's also very you know established in, in, in genres that we really enjoy yes, like yes. sci-fi and horror and and stuff so um I thought it would be smart and that I and I feel passionate about um a good smattering of, of her roles and <laughs> films she's been in I thought so for me it worked and you agree to it <laughs> I, I love it I love when you um say some of that it actually makes a lot of sense because yeah, I mean, she started her film career basically with Alien. Like, that was yeah. her first real film, which is kind of inc- – like, I mean, she was had a walk-on part in, I think, Annie Hall or one of the Woody Allen films. Like, she had done some TV stuff. But, like, your first movie role is Ellen Ripley. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, you're right. She absolutely became the face of sci-fi and horror for a while in, in that era. And also, like, looking at her IMDb, and then as I was, because the way I did it, I tried to, I just kind of went on my Roku to see what was available that she was in that was streaming. Mm-hmm. And going through it, and then looking at, at her IMDb and realizing, like, man, like, what a varied career she has had. And part of that is longevity, but it's also, like, a choice that she very much seems to rotate and, you know, do comedy, do sci-fi, do everything, and it's also nice because unlike a lot of um, actors of respectable uh, careers and such, like she doesn't badmouth the genre, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. something to appreciate. I think she understands that without the audiences of Alien and Aliens, um, her career would have been very different, and mm-hmm. that you know there, that 
that there is something to appreciate in them. So that's cool too. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I, I think, well, I think we'll get into it, but kind of the way her career has, has unfolded, there's some interesting small roles that she's taken that mm. I feel like are very fan servicey, but like in yes. an amazing way. Yeah. I, she definitely, and honestly, this was true very early, I think, where, and part of this is her stature. She is a very distinct, uh, uh, she has a distinct voice. She has a, you know, she is a, has a distinct tight. Um, but there is, like, you can put her as a cameo in something and it immediately establishes something about the universe you're in. Like, she mm-hmm. has reached that point where she is an icon. And I think what is um, interesting, because the more I was just kind of thinking about her, obviously, is in a way how little, like, I knew of her personal life, how much I didn't think of her so much as a movie star, but more as an actress. Yeah. That that that's interesting um when you bring in like movie stardom and the concept of that um i feel like some people want to project uh, like that feeling that a movie star would give us mm. i i can't make this make sense because I'm, I'm applying a lot to a person i don't know but like to to mention again the kind of strange places that she started to show up for a while i feel like that black there was a lack of ego to yeah. a lot of that and i feel like sometimes when i think of like a movie star i think of like the what comes the trappings that come along with that historically like how how that person would want us to see them mm. somebody who was a movie star you know and i feel like she's always been really uh, approachable as as a performer for me it's it's hard you know it's hard to I, I want because I do want to go into that, mm-hmm. and I want to be careful because it is so easy. I think when we talk about um, female actors, to think of to kind of have a lot of complicated feelings about the glamour versus the talent or the choices or whatever you want mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about her as you're saying that of like compared to somebody like Nicole Kidman. And Nicole Kidman always has felt like a movie star. Just, I think, you know, Nicole Kidman also started in movies where Sigourney Weaver started in theater. So maybe there's part of that. But there is something that I hate that I, like, Nicole Kidman has made a career out of being an incredibly good actress who makes incredibly interesting choices and being a movie star. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know much about you know the what constitutes the difference and part of it is the eras and the timings and yeah. you know the uh but I mean I say that but like Sigourney Weaver was a movie star at a time when there were photographers everywhere maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. as insane but that she and I don't know how much of this was a choice of hers how much of it was just the way the tide flowed but she kept a, a low profile to where I don't think people think of her immediately as a, a glamorous, um, like that kind of movie star. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's very difficult for, I think, a woman to sustain such a career without having to have also had that to lean on and had that to kind of help 
um, help get her in the room or help get her that role where a producer was like, oh, yeah, people will come see you because they want to see you. It's Mm -hmm. and and, uh, like all that to say, like, Scorny Weaver is hot. She is very hot. She always has been and has been a sex symbol in really interesting ways. Um, Yeah, I I feel like I feel like I'm not saying it correctly because I feel like I'm going uh, I, and I don't mean to be like compare her to this person because that's not also the way I wanted to look at it. Um, but I think it's just an interesting way of why her career has been kind of unique in some ways, I guess. Yeah, and and I don't know if it like I I kind of purposely didn't read a lot about her going mm-hmm. into this because I didn't want to necessarily talk about her as a person. Yep. Because I have a lot of like my own stuff tied up in her performances and certain roles. But I, I wonder how much of that is intentional and how much of it is just the way things unfolded. You know, because yeah. it because it is it's hard. We're 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 assuming a lot of things or or not assuming a lot of things. And like I I the part of it could have be could be her her age of when she got certain roles mm. or when she was presented to us because it's undeniable yeah. that she's like smoking hot and alien but isn't she 30 and alien i think she was 30 yeah like not to say that 30 is old by any means but it, it is i found personally going back and watching alien like holy shit sigourney weaver so hot wow she's 30 great there's hope for us like that's how <laughs> that that makes me feel that's like we are we are this is this strong hot like and and there's you know at a moment an alien vulnerable lady and hey she's an adult she's not like a bright-eyed 22 year old which again is fine and there's certainly room for that but but i want stories about women like especially as i get older i want to see like lived in women and i think that's something that she's consistently done Mm, yeah and maybe in part because we didn't see her when she was young um, or yo- I mean, young. Look, we're forty, so or forty. So th- so thirty was still young, but <laughs> yeah. we we didn't see her at that point of when she would have been the ingenue. Like she started mm-hmm. as, um, uh, all, and I think um, her when I when I think like if I had to immediately like associate words with her, like it'd be like yeah, like strong and classy. Like that's what I think yeah. of when I think of Sigourney Weaver because she's always projected that, and not always because I mean when you look at her filmography, she's played against that. Um, so one of the movies I watched for the first time and I had never seen it and I knew it was, you know, a movie, one of the most probably beloved movies of all time of its era. I watched Working Girl. Oh, now when did you see Working Girl? About, I don't know, like maybe a year ago at most. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because it's such a definitive movie, but yet it, I guess it wasn't on TV a lot when we were young. Like it wasn't something, and I guess probably because its politics are very, at different times, I think, would have been looked at as being complicated or mm-hmm. um, uh, there, there's aspects of Working Girl that you're like, ooh, if I had seen this 10 years ago, I would have hated the fact that Melanie Griffith and Harrison Ford, you know, end up together. Like, if I had seen this, but watching it this now, I am at a different point where it it makes sense that they are attracted to each other and so on and so on. Um, But Sigourney Weaver in Working Girl, I think is what is so interesting about that is she, you know, she walks on, on screen and she is the epitome of that character of being fancy businesswoman, Mm -hmm. right? There she is. She looks great in um, 
all of that clothing. There is something that, uh, there was a term I had never heard before, but I was reading some interviews and uh, it was because Vanity Fair said to her, like, you invented the shrobe. It's like, what's the shrobe? Oh, the shrobe is when you wear a coat, like, over your shoulders, but it, you don't put your arms in. But uh, you just look, so, and like, if I do that, it looks like I'm a little kid playing dress up, but Sigourney Weaver does it. And it's the chicest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Um. But what's really cool about Working Girl and her in Working Girl is that that character isn't that that character is actually like a little spoiled baby girl yep and it's so interesting because you it takes you time to believe that because you can't believe Sigourney Weaver is this dumb mean petulant and petulant yes yeah 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 Yeah, she's not not connected not present emotionally or mentally not seeing obvious things. And it is jarring because I didn't know what it was about when I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I, so Melanie Griffith, Sigourney Weaver, Joan Cusack, that's why I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect everybody to sort into the roles that they kind of yeah. sorted into, which was so fun. And and she is, she's so, oh, she's so hot and mean in it. Yeah. It's really great. And that Melanie Griffith is who has, you know, the the little girl voice and the blonde hair, but is so mature compared to Sigourney Weaver in that movie. And it's such a great, great flip because you it takes you time to really believe it, even when you see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like some one of those things where like it's using her reputation, I think, in a way by that because by that point, she people knew her as Ripley. People knew her as this. This is a, you know, you. She, she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the like quotes I found from her, a, a, a lot of it is about her height. So how tall do you think she is? I think she's my height, like 5'8". You think she's 5'8"? 5'8 five, five, to 5'10"? Christine, make peace. What? Sigourney Weaver is 5'11 and three quarters. Oh. Well, I said to 5'10". So... <laughs> <laughs> So I was close. See, I mean, to me, like, she could be 5'8 and still feel that tall because I'm 5'1 and a half. Uh, but no, she is almost six foot. Yeah, she's, that's tall. That's very tall. Uh, and I think it is one of those things that has defined it. It's, and this is, and I have a theory about this because she, so she was a theater kid. She was, you know, she went to Yale drama. Like she, you know, did all of that. And I was remembering when I was in college, and I was not an actor, but I was in the theater department, so I was amongst a lot of actors. And I always remember, like, every year there would be, like, that one female actor who was, like, 5'11", who was very tall. Mm -hmm. And they always had, like, that meant they were always cast as the mother. They were always cast as the adult. They could never play the ingenue because the odds of any man being shorter than them and it not being jarring to an audience to have Juliet towering over Romeo Mm -hmm. you never had that so I think when you were that tall you often you had to play older younger and I wonder how much of that plays into a little bit of some of kind of her natural choices of just being always feeling a little bit smarter than everybody else in the room yeah I, I that's interesting because I I very often like Google people's heights. I know that that's weird. Oh no, I, I, like, I do too. I like to know, um, especially if like I think they're attractive. Um, but I didn't I didn't necessarily fully 
like realize that how close to, to six feet she was and how much taller than uh, maybe a lot of men she would have mm-hmm. been yep. and how really that could have informed a lot of things that I just took for granted as like well this is just the way it is and that's great for me <laughs> but like who she's who she's cast against like Harrison yeah. Ford who's not a small person um it, it's interesting to think about and yeah because she has this this not just height but this air she's brown hair lady syndrome like yep. of course she's gonna be everybody's mom but i guess now i'm thinking i'm glad she's not a mom as much as she could have been you know when you think of it yeah it could have just been mom non not like non-stop wall the wall mom well you think of it another actress that i would I, that i think similarly because i mean again nicole kidman is also very tall yeah. and i think and to say it too about Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman doesn't often play the, even in her younger career, she didn't always play the wife or the girlfriend because I think, again, it's not a natural place to put her because that's counting on any actor around her being mm-hmm. over six foot. Uh, another actor that I think in some ways has a, has a similar career to Sigourney Weaver is Joan Allen, who is also a very tall woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I think, I feel like almost there is a, I wonder how they're, I don't know how close they are in age. I think they're fairly close, but I wonder if they ever competed for roles. Cause I feel like th- there's a similar, um, like, there's a similar type about them. Yeah. I get um, that. yeah. Which, which I didn't think about until now, but the, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Cause there's so much, so much behind like, uh, so, Oh, it's, Sigourney Weaver's super iconic in Alien. She's super iconic in Ghostbusters. But to think, like, I, I because of probably my age when these things came out, I took her presence in them for granted. Like, yeah. they were just a fact. And to think that there were all these other things going into, like, her choice, the, the choice of yeah. having her in that or her picking that or her even being considered for that is just really interesting. And I feel like we've gotten very lucky. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, and she had said one thing she'd said about um, Ghostbusters was that it was a shock to her for her to have been in that movie and considered for that part because she was not getting those kinds of offers. And something that I think she has like spoken a lot about was that she like she loves comedy. And I mean, she in her, her theater background, uh, she, I mean, she went to Yale. She was classmates with Christopher Durang, who's a playwright, who wrote very zany, very funny, a uh, whole lot of stuff that you've seen variations of one way or another. And, um, you know, she so she did a lot of comedy as a young, young actress on Off-Broadway. But then she gets to Hollywood. She's cast as Ripley. She's six foot. And she wasn't getting comedic parts. And I think... Like, she said, like, she was so happy that Ivan Reitman, like, saw her for this because she never in a million years would have even thought that she could have gotten an audition for a movie like that. Hmm. And you're right. We we did get lucky. <laughs> like, we grew up with her be- already being a movie star. Yeah. Like, I-, I remember distinctly the Alien 3 coverage because it. I think she made, like, $5 million for it. It was probably one of the highest... Um, like paid actors at the time mm-hmm. it was a huge deal it was you know she was a producer on the movie and you know she, and she shaved her head for the movie which is something that you know we still like gasp that when we see a woman yep. take that risk to do um but it was such a definitive like wow you have to be a certain you have to have a certain level of confidence and, and power to do that and it, like she was very she was the rare because there weren't many others that I think um, 
you can like look and be like, oh, because of Sigourney, we had this person and this person. Like, no, we kind of only had her for a while in that yeah. in that part, I guess. So, do you want to do a little quiz on some of some of her uh, life facts? I'm nervous, but yes. Okay. All right. So I put together some questions. Okay. So some of these are just more about her as a person, just because I was curious. So I did some research and I wanted to make sure you had to work too. So number one. Okay. okay. What is Sigourney Weaver's birth name? She was oh, not born a name Sigourney. No idea. All right. Is it A, Cynthia, B, Susan, C, Sandra, or D, Sarah? Oh, I hope it's Sandra. It is not Sandra. Oh, that's my mom's name. Oh, that's right. No, it's Susan. It's Susan, Susan Alexandra Weaver. Um, and where, and so when she was 14, she decided she didn't like the name Susan. Uh, and her quote is kind of cute. She said, I was going away to school. One of the reasons I changed my name, it was an all, oh wait, where to go? Um, she said, God, I need a name. I don't like Susie. It's too small. It's for a mouse. I thought, I'm just going to use this Sigourney name until I find a real name. It was going to be a temporary thing, and then it stuck. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't it? I do love that. All right. What book did she get the name Sigourney from? Was it? No idea. A, Grapes of Wrath. B, The Great Gatsby. C, Mrs. Dalloway. Or D, Around the World in 80 Days. Ugh. Around the World in 80 Days? Nope. It was have... B, The Great Gatsby. Oh, wow. I've never actually read that. I read it like 20 years ago, and I don't remember anything about it except thinking it shouldn't have been the number one book on the Times list at the time. Yeah. So that's all I got there. All right. So she went to Yale for drama, but first she got her undergraduate degree from Stanford. In what subject did she major in A, history, B, theater, C, chemistry, or D, English? Uh, history? No. Is it? I thought it would might be theater, but then I was like, no, she did her grad. Her grad was in theater, but her undergrad was in English. Oh, I like. I that's cute. I do like that. It means like she's smart and reads, and yeah, that's probably why she picks good scripts. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That's true. Her her media literacy would be very high. Exactly. She she would be able to. (laughs) That's fun. All right, so she went to Yale. She went to Yale Drama. Uh, she had a famous classmate there who always got the better parts, and they didn't cast Sigourney because she was too tall. Was that other classmate A, Julianne Moore, B, Jessica Lang, C, Lorraine Bracco, or D, Meryl Streep? Lorraine Bracco. Nope. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Sigourney so. Weaver was classmates with Meryl Streep. Wow. Yep. Yeah, well... And she said Meryl Streep basically got all of the ingenue parts, and she did not. Of course she did. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, okay, here's a good one. Uh, what random thing is she afraid of? A, clowns, B, heights, C, elevators, or D, spiders? I hope it's elevators. It's elevators! <laughs> that is why Sigourney Weaver did not, was not cast in the movie Down, a.k.a. The Shaft, directed by Dick Mass. Only reason. <laughs> exactly. Only reason. 100%. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Okay, so how many times, this is personal, how many times has Sigourney Weaver been married? A, zero. B, one. C, two. D, four. Um, zero? It's one. It's one. Yeah. It was one. I was going to guess one or zero. Um, both of them are interesting. Is she still married? She is still married, yeah. Good for her. And it's fascinating that that neither one of us knew that. 
right? That you think of most actors who are getting $6 million to star in a movie in 1993. And like, you're like, oh, yeah, well, it's of course good because they're really famous. And wait, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about them. How is that possible? Um, but yeah, she is married to Jim Simpson, who is a theater director and such. Uh, however, Jim Simpson has also done some work in film, including assistant directing on a 90s cult classic. Was that 90s cult classic? A, Clueless. B, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. C, The Faculty. Or D, Spice World. Spice World. It's Spice World! Yeah! Yes, her husband apparently was the assistant director on Spice World. I, I don't know much more about that, but that apparently is what I am to be told me. Well, I love it. Yes. And then the last question. Uh, which script that Scorny Weaver would go on to star in uh, gave her nightmares? Was it A, Alien, B, Cabin in the Woods, C, The Village, or D, Wall-E? I hope it's The Village. It is The Village. <laughs> she I said she was watched very scared. How does that hold up? Um, uh... <laughs> okay, I didn't like it when I saw it, so I don't, I'm, not, I'm wondering if it got any better over the years. Um, probably not. Um, there are, I like some of the visual stuff in it. She looks stunning in it. But I like some of the visual stuff, mm-hmm. and, um, but overall, it's 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 not something that I like. <laughs> I remember my problem with that movie, thinking, like, being into it, and again, like, liking the atmosphere, liking the look of it, and then there was a very specific line that was said, I think it was by Kathy Baker, that made me say, oh... I know the end. I know the. I know the reveal of this movie. I hope there's more to it than that, and there really isn't. And then the ending kind of does a thing where it means nothing has changed for anybody. So what was the point of me watching this movie? Yeah, I, I had a. I had a lot more uh, problems with the way it was constructed when I watched it yesterday than than like I've seen it before. I saw it in the theater, and subsequently I think I've watched it like three or four more times. But this time it really like. So I was trying to explain to Zach why I don't like it. And I said, well, I believe there's a reveal and a twist. I think there are two. They, mm-hmm. Each one happens in that movie. I'm fine with the reveal. I, I think the twist is absolutely pointless. I don't even remember there being a twist. I just remember the reveal. So the Spoiler alert, the village, everybody. Okay. I, need to, I need to hear this now. So, I mean, they predicate the whole thing on, like, the reason why you can't leave is because there's these monsters. Right. And then the monsters aren't real. And right. I, yeah. I'm actually fine with that. I think that that's fun. But then when it's like, and also we're in present day, it's like, oh, Jesus. How many and see, days? to me, the reveal was that they were in present day, but I remember clocking that the way Kathy Baker says, like, well, my sister was walking home one night and she was attacked. And it sounded very much like, Oh, your sister was right outside of her apartment building and somebody came, like where I'm like, wait, 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 this isn't how people talk in old times. We're in the we're in modern times. And then right, so there's no monsters, but Bryce Dallas Howard thinks there are because she's the only one that can see that, but she can't see it because she's blind. So then they don't go anywhere and that's it, right? Well, so yeah, so there it's actually present day, and one of the ways they keep them in the area is by telling them that there's monsters. But then they reveal that there's no monsters and that's just a control tactic. And Bryce Dallas Howard is shown that there are no monsters. And then she just goes out into the woods to find medicine or help or whatever. So great. Why send the girl who can't 
see like not i'm not trying to be ableist like people mm-hmm. who can't see can do lots of wonderful things but why not send like fucking william hurt why doesn't he go like she 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 doesn't go because she can't see and she can't see that these these things aren't real like she already knows they're not real so why send her because her her innocence will protect her from the awful reality of the real world. It's so stupid. Oh, that's right. And then it's like the only I remember realizing this: the only person who has any real revelation is M Night Shyamalan himself, right? Because he plays the guy at like the tourist center who's like, "Oh, here's medicine. Go that way." Wow, that's crazy. And the movie ends. Well, and yeah, and it's not even that because I th- I ke- I forget that too. A a like a younger security guy finds Bryce Dallas Howard. And and she just stands there, I guess, while he goes back to the place to get medicine. And that's where M. Night is. And M. Night's like, don't talk to people. You know, this is just a nature preserve. And the more you talk to people, it's weird. So nature preserve and don't talk to people. It's like, <laughs> what? What are you doing? Why would you just offer up that dialogue to a security person that doesn't know that people live in the middle of this preserve? I, it It's just too much. Because if it had just been, oh, we pretend that there's monsters to right. keep you in line, but there's not really monsters i think that might actually be an interesting Mm. like view is like what we do to protect our children and are we really protecting them right you know but then it was fucking modern day and then bryce dallas howard comes back and she's like that's cool we'll just live in the middle of a nature preserve forever (laughs) which i mean i guess it's fine but i don't think people should get tricked into that they should decide but not a movie i'm gonna rewatch. you know i i guess it made me mad this last time yeah yeah i get that uh, who yeah, does she? Who, she's good in it. Who does she right? play in it? I can't even remember. She's Joaquin's mother. Okay, and Joaquin is the um like young hero, or that's Adrian Brody. Well, Adrian Brody is the person they have pretending like maybe. He uh, okay, right? Isn't he like a little like he's not quite right? Is that yeah? Right? He's in ho- a Hollywood uh, slur. Yes, um, yes. So, um, and Joaquin is just like a quiet, handsome, brooding boy that Bryce Dallas Howard loves. And then uh, Adrian Brody stabs him. So yes. that's what pushes it over the edge that somebody needs to leave to get him medical stuff. Okay. It's all coming back to me now, kind of. <clears throat> yeah. No, well, I, I'm, I'm glad I rewatched it. So I, so you don't have to. Thank you. I appreciate that full summary. <laughs> um, so what was the first movie you remember seeing Scorning Beaver in? Ghostbusters 2. Nice. Very nice. Um, I have a, a lot of feelings about it, but what? Same question to you. I, I. So I think the difference being many movies that I remember her always in that probably were on, because um, I mean, obviously Alien and obviously Ghostbusters. But the first time I remember like beginning to end watching a movie that she was in was probably Dave. Interesting. I saw. I've watched Dave a lot. I like, a love lot. Dave. Yeah, me too. If people, if you have not seen Dave, it is such a joy of a movie. Uh, I I reference things in that movie constantly. <laughs> um, the and she is. It's a nice. It's one of those movies where like. I think has a really nice adult romance in it. Yeah. That is something that I probably didn't see a lot of at that age where it always stuck with me. It, I haven't seen it in a, in a while. I, I, I need to rewatch it, but it was like one of those, I guess it was on cable a lot. I I mean, 
one of those staples and and it's just a really charming funny they don't make them like that anymore kind of kind of movies so yeah if you haven't watched it you should she she looks beautiful in it and i mean kevin klein is amazing yeah and it's a nice like she gets to play a very like fully fleshed out person yeah, yeah. Uh, in a role that c- could not have been in other uh, screenplays I think or you know just end products she is the wife in that movie and it's not something you see her in often yep but there's a lot more to it and she she's yeah she's sexy in it too it's it's a fun one so the uh, oh please no go ahead go ahead oh no I was gonna say um some of the movies I watched that I had not seen before, one yep. being a movie I assumed I'd seen because it was always on, everybody talked about it, but I, and I know we've talked about this before, in my head, I was convinced I had seen Copycat, but I had not, I had just seen In Dreams, and I always think they're the same movie, but they yeah, are very well, much not. For good reason, I mean, they have, they have the same energy, honestly. And who's the villain in In Dreams? Is it, um... Robert Downey Jr., right? Is, is he the Maybe. I've seen In Dreams so many fucking times, and it does not deserve the amount of attention I've like, given it in my life. In my mind, it was Dermot Mulroney, and or not Dermot Mulroney, Harry Connick Jr., and that's what no, always threw me off. Cat. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no shared cast to it. They are two distinctly no. different films, but yet. In, um, wow, I just put yeah, it is Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I'm glad that I uh, said what I thought and didn't. Yeah, you were correct in that. Um, Copycat is hands down. One of my favorite movies, period. Wow. Um, it is maybe my favorite her movie. It's definitely my Sigourney Weaver comfort movie. Mm. It is phenomenal. It's heartbreaking. Yep. It's upsetting. It's compelling. It's a good mystery. Um, mm-hmm. It's creepy. She's really good in it. Yep. She's very strong and very like... Um, respectable and i'm i'm a lady you listen to but also extremely broken and very flawed and it's such a compelling role for a woman to have it it is i love it i really enjoyed it i again i knew stuff about it but in my i also just mixed it up with another movie and i i went into it really not knowing what i just knew it was her and holly hunter and not knowing who was the cop who wasn't and then very quickly realizing like Oh, this this is that era where um, where you established like a sort of agoraphobic woman using the internet type thing. It's kind of close in time to the net, and it, it's funny watching it today. Whereas I think if I'd watched it when it came out, I would have had a hard time believing it. I think in a way of hmm. thinking like, no, no, this woman's so confident, like oh, but she can't go outside now. Like, I think I would have had a harder time understanding, like, no, this actually is a really compelling and believable way of showing the trauma, how this woman process, process trauma. Mm-hmm. And she is. She's so, so good. And it's one of those great things where they, you see her in her kind of prime and then you see yeah. where the year has taken her and you do believe it. it. And not everybody can pull that off. Not every film can pull that off. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good point because it's the way that I think she does it. Yeah. It's not like she went from like badass lecturer to like frail, swooning, like dove. She's still her, just 
with all of this on top of her now. Yeah. And it makes it difficult for her to, to, to function as she did. So it's not like she's two different characters. She's a character and then she's a character with trauma. It's not like she's a working lady right. and then like a nightmare mess. And I always appreciated that characterization because it showed that even if you do, you know, experience trauma, you're still you yeah. and there's still a chance you could still find yourself again. And and I really did appreciate that because she was a mess, but she still was right and yep. good. And, and like, oh, it's so good. It I, is, yeah. I, every time I get sick, I watch this movie. It's <laughs> Well, and her and Holly Hunter, I, I wish they yeah. would do more movies together because they're so good together. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. a great Holly Hunter role. It's one of those, like, I can't picture anybody else in that part. <laughs> so good. And she's really good, too. Because so now you have, not to o- overshadow her, obviously. So there's two amazing roles written yeah. for women in this. She's tough but also like a real person. And I don't, you know, I don't like cops in movies, but her and Dermot Mulroney, oh, and Sigourney Weaver's relationship with them, just beautiful, really beautiful, tragic stuff. It is, and it's it's just, it's a nice, like, slight flip on things where, Mm -hmm. you know, Holly Hunter is the older, more seasoned partner to Dermot Mulroney, who's the more kind of innocent, fresh-faced one, which you you don't usually have that dynamic in that gender setup. Uh, It, I have a theory, is this the first case of where we established, like, the hard, like, the hard-nosed, kind of tomboy-ish uh, like working cop who eats cheeseburgers, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Cause she does, but it, it's mm-hmm. believable. It works. I think it's also why I, I realize I often confuse Vermont Mulroney with Harry Connick Jr. Because they don't look alike, but in my head in this movie, they had swapped roles. So that, that too. But I, I think we're just realizing I have a lot of holes in my brain that I need to, ah, I should no. work on. Uh, another movie I watched because you had mentioned watching it and it was on, I think Tubi. So I figured, let me, let me, this is not a movie I would have ever thought to sit down and watch, but I knew you spoke highly of it. So I gave Heartbreakers a try. Oh, that movie's wild. It's really fun. <laughs> it's fun. And can I tell you, I know this is the Sigourney Weaver cast, but um, that is the movie that made me uh, like uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's great in it. Um, the, and I, I got her for the first time. Yes. I watched this movie and I went, oh wait is that what she's been doing (laughs) yep yep and it's funny because if you like start to do any research around heartbreakers you find very quickly a lot of interviews where jennifer love hewitt kind of talking about like basically how awful doing press for this movie was because she was so proud of doing this movie with gene hackman and sigourney Mm -hmm. weaver and this great like grown-up comedy where she got to like because she had been doing primarily like teen movies for a while and she got to go head to head with sigourney weaver and they're great together they're they're so fun as mom and daughter and then every interview she did the first 45 minutes were just asking her about her body and I hate it. I hate it's it. so awful it's so awful she said like she sort of had like a reckoning with it during um i guess it was last year when the britney spears documentary came out and she was like oh it wasn't right for this to have happened was it um and it is a shame because that movie and I, I mean i even remember all when i remember when you mentioned watching it all i could say was oh i remember the really badly photoshopped poster because the poster was just like, boobs, the movie, starring Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, like, the movie, like, 
it, that's part of the movie is how much they use that but it's all in service of yep. what they're doing and who their characters are uh and it's she's fun a horror and ray Liotta in this movie together so funny right oh yes yes yeah yeah and it was fun because yeah, it was not something I had seen her quite do before. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a, a lot of people maybe playing a little bit against type. There's a lot of scenery chewing in it. Yeah. Like everybody's very on board and over the top. And and yeah, I think the poster did it a disservice. Yep. And I think I think that it's smart smarter. I hate when people say it's smarter than it needs to be or should mm-hmm. be. But, like, it's smarter than I expected, and it takes them as characters more seriously than I expected. Um, they're not just, like, slutty butts of jokes. And and I worried that about that going in. Like, is it just going to be, like, how yeah. mean can we be to these, these characters? And it's not. They're yeah. very aware, and it's all very intentional. And it's a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. If people haven't seen it, it it's really worth a watch. Uh, and it's streaming out there. It's fun to see Gene Hackman kind of really go for it, too. Oh, yeah. I know Gene Hackman's like an asshole, but he's one of my favorite actors of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. it's funny. I have, um, so my mom's cousin looks exactly like Gene Hackman. And like, at what, years, like at one point, he was a limo driver in L.A. And people really thought he was Gene Hackman. Um so I always like have a softness for Gene Hackman because I'm like, oh, that's that's cousin Richie. But <laughs> Gene Hackman is one of you know I I haven't heard I don't know maybe I haven't read as much, but he seems like somebody that he's probably one of those actors where if you're on his good side you're good to go, but if you're not he's probably miserable. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe I've read um, inflammatory things, but I I had always gotten the impression that he was not uh, the type of guy you'd want to hang out with. <laughs> I think he has had some. Like, I think it's a case of an actor that, uh, and in that era where, like, actors were kind of given the clout to be assholes if they so yeah. chose to. So where when he would work with certain directors that maybe he didn't respect, like, he was probably not fun to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, and I, so, I don't know all the ins and outs, but Heartbreakers, everybody should watch it. It's it's a great one. Uh, okay, so a few more I watched. One, um... Think, I can't remember if you watched it recently. This is a movie that I re- I remember renting as a teenager. I was so excited. And then it aired on Showtime, so I was able to record it on VCR. And it was kind of the movie made for me, and I had not watched it in 20-plus years. Uh, but it's on the Roku channel, and that is Snow White, A Tale of Terror. So I have seen it, but I have not seen it in a very long time. And that is the one movie I wanted to rewatch, but just didn't Mm -hmm. get around to. But I I have seen it because it was um, surprisingly horny looking when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, what what the fuck is this? So when I say I've seen it, I think I saw it in like 2000. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, I watched it as a teenager and it was one of those... Like, they weren't making many movies like that. Uh, I mean, nobody wanted... Fantasy wasn't making money. Uh, this was... But but you and I were both, like, girls of the labyrinth generation mm-hmm. who wanted this. Who Like, nothing was sexier than this kind of movie. And it's... Watching it today, it's, it's realizing how, you know, 10 years later, it, this became the thing to do. Right? You had Maleficent. You had mm-hmm. Snow White and the Huntsman. Like... 
there's now a whole subgenre of the wicked stepmother turned into kind of the glamorous anti-hero leading her own film. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those movies where it is not as good as I want it to be. Uh, it looks great. It It is, you know, it's shot in, I think, like somewhere, not in Germany, but somewhere in Europe where it looks as it should. It looks like it's Germany in the 15th century. And the pro- like, it's Monica Kina is not very interesting as Snow White. That's always true of these kinds of movies. But Sigourney Weaver is so good in it. Yeah. And she's playing the evil stepmother, but she clearly, you could like see the whole story. You could see her getting the script and saying like, oh, I'm not the villain. Even though I am the villain, I'm not going to play it as the villain. And she is gorgeous in it. Uh, even when she is not, she is just perfectly cast and she is giving this movie so much more than maybe it deserves Mm -hmm. and I think that is something that was fun to do too and kind of watching what I could find that was streaming because the other the last movie that I watched uh before this was I'd never heard of it uh it was on freebie which is one of the new 2b-esque channels and it is called the girl in the park have you ever heard of this one Mm-mm. I know. Yeah. So Sigourney Weaver, Kate Bosworth, oh. uh, Carrie Russell. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, and uh, what's his name? Elias Coteus. Like, stupidly good cast for a movie that you have definitely never heard of. I think it was like 2008 or so. And it's a drama. It is, uh, It's again, it's a good setup. It's Sigourney Weaver is a married with two kids that she's a jazz singer in new york mm-hmm. so her husband goes to work at, all the day and then at night times so Weaver gets up and goes to sing some jazz uh we get to hear her sing some jazz which i've oh, never heard Sigourney weaver sing jazz uh and then during the day like the her youngest daughter is three so she takes her to the park and then her daughter gets kidnapped and she doesn't know what happened uh this is all in the first like five minutes of the movie and then it's 16 years later and Sigourney weaver is basically kind of kind of um it's, it's almost a good follow-up to Copycat, where she is sort of cut herself off emotionally from everything. Mm-hmm. So she is divorced now. She's living alone in an apartment, um, going to work, still has a very um, kind of tenuous relationship with her son, who's getting married to Carrie Russell. And so she's just emotion. She's just kind of not there. So she goes to, uh, you know, their engagement party, and there's just this tension to her, which you understand. Uh, and then she meets Kate Bosworth as sort of this drifter, and she thinks maybe she could be her daughter, so they form a little relationship. It's not very good, but it's one of those movies that you, like, understand exactly why Sigourney Weaver would do this, because it is a good part. It's just not a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and watching it and realizing, wow, in the hands of any other actor, this would be, I probably wouldn't have lasted 10 minutes into this movie. It seems maybe like it's not for me i don't i wouldn't recommend <laughs> it yeah but i think i don't know something in realizing watching all of these um that i don't you don't always get to see with a lot of actresses especially is that she's really fun to watch acting with other women yeah um and it makes me want more like really good like Fem- like female heavy casts with her in it. I agree. So wh- a movie that I have have seen her in and should have rewatched, but I didn't like it that much, is Vamps. I was going which, to try to watch it, and then I ran out of time. 
I was very disappointed the last when I watched Vamps, um, I, but I am willing to look at it again. Uh, that cast, though, Elisa Silverstone, Kristen Ritter, um, and Sigourney Weaver does show up in it. Not enough, mm. but but you're right. Like it's it, she's part of some powerhouse cast because I mean, look at uh, Ghostbusters 2016. I've who. I can't remember her in Ghostbusters 2016. She just shows up at the end. She's um, she's like the uh, Kate McKinnon's character's like scientist. <gasps> oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, I, whatever it's called when you look up to somebody, mentor. I guess is what is the word I might be looking for. But yeah, she shows up in that, and and it's delightful. And I remember how crazy my theater because I and again I think you were also a fan of the movie. I'm I will defend I that it. movie. I really yeah. enjoy it. When I saw, when we saw it in a theater, I remember you know the various cheering at different cameos. But yeah. when she came in, I remember like Brandon gripping my hand, and we were like, "Yeah, that's right." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's uh, she's she's a part of a lot of great ensemble casts. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm I'm scrolling through thinking about it. And the uh, other the other cameo I thought you were going to mention was Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think and I think it really works. So she does air quotes cameos or like just little things here and there. And I think it's very effective in Cabin in the Woods. It's very effective when she shows up at the end. Um, She like, she has that gravitas. She has that, like she commands attention. And when she shows up, you're like, I get what I'm supposed to get. Yes. Like like I understand who, who you're saying this is now. Yeah, it, it's almost like uh, not a cop out for a movie, but it's such an easy trick of like, if I if I cast Sigourney Weaver in this small part or to walk on and say this line, I've I I can unlock something that a script might not. Like it's a case where I think the actor really can transcend anything because she does carry that weight to her of oh oh I'm gonna sit up it's Sigourney Weaver now I know who she yeah. is in this movie yeah yeah I believe she represents the old gods or I believe she's sure. you know. Uh, she, she's the voice in Wally, which is very cute that she is the voice of the ship. And it's like, oh, okay, this makes me feel like I'm at home when I hear yep. her. She's uh, the voice of the ship in uh, Futurama, right? Me. Yeah. Is she? At least once she is, yeah. Um, she, so, there, yeah, there's that. And then I believe when she shows up in, um, oh, my God, I, my brain is just much Paul. When she believes when she shows up in Paul, it's just a, a little bit part two yep. or like a cameo type style thing. But I have not seen Paul since it came out in twenty eleven. I never so saw I could Paul. Become a complete big big mouth liar at this point. <laughs> but so I I think you're you're completely right. At some point, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. At some point, she becomes shorthand. Yes. For something, and I think that that's fantastic because there is a movie that also came out in twenty eleven called Abduction. And that is a uh, Taylor Lautner movie, I think. Oh, right. Because I remember the jokes all being about his abs. So Abduction is a movie that came out in 2011. And I did not really care about Taylor Lautner. I was, I was, I I liked Twilight in the sense, or I knew about Twilight because it existed. Like I didn't go like, yeah, Taylor Lautner movie. I remember I got this movie from Redbox and I put this movie in and I was like, cool. Yeah, this is cool. (laughs) And then Alfred Molina and Sigourney Weaver showed up and I went, oh, okay. 
I get this movie now. I understand this movie because they put these two established actors in roles. And I went, well, now I understand. I understand who you are to this main character. I understand what yep. the point of you being so it was really satisfying and I and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you you casting Sigourney Weaver to to tell me how I'm supposed to feel because mm-hmm. I think it works. Yeah. And and I don't think she overuses it the way I think some actors do. Yeah. She's really I think thoughtful about the project she puts her name on. Um you know, she's not like a William Shatner who will do anything just to to show up and stay in the public conscience. That she, I think, does choose projects that, and I'm sure, like, she probably turns down a lot of stuff. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. imagine she would not, you know. But that she makes, I think she does stuff that either she respects the property or there's something there for her to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, not every actor also has the you know, the cashier to do that. Uh, but it, she's earned it. Um, and she does it. And she also, it's, it's been a while. I th- I mean, I just haven't seen a lot of her newer stuff, but to think of something else, a movie we haven't mentioned that is such like a, a, a great Sigourney Weaver performance in a, in the rare case where it's a role that you would not think of her in. And that's galaxy quest. Oh, so, <laughs> yep. so yeah. So, so, if Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters 2 um, meant a lot to me um, personally, especially never feeling like I had anything to grab onto in, in the first Ghostbusters, um, I feel like her in the second one makes me understand like where I fit into the world of <laughs> Ghostbusters. Um, and now the inverse to that is the the duality of the duality of man because then in galaxy <laughs> quest i'm like oh but i can also be this okay <laughs> she it, it's just she's i i think she's so beautiful and so becoming and lovely yeah. and and kind of bitchy and galaxy quest and like a completely different way than uh, other stuff and and i think it shows her versatility yep. and i appreciate her giving me another um facet of femininity mm-hmm. i guess and 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 she she was really formative for me like i feel i thought sigourney weaver reminded me a lot of my mom growing mm. up she she looks a lot like my mom sometimes especially in alien four yeah. um she and so i think her playing at, at all these different things was was like I didn't get to see that level of versatility. Like mm. you're either the hard ass bitch yep. or like, you know, the non-sexual bookworm or the bimbo. And, and the fact that she was able to embody so many different versions of that and, and nuanced versions of that really meant a lot to me, I think. Yeah. And alien resurrection is a great one, I think to bring up because like she is playing a new version of Ripley. And then at one point, yep. several versions of Ripley and it is a really and now this was probably I mean I don't know for sure but I'm guessing this was one of her biggest paychecks of all time because it was a huge production it was fairly close to Alien well no Alien 3 was a few years earlier uh, 92 to 97 so there'd been some time she was coming off the ice storm which was you know yeah. not like the biggest hit but was a very big like after the ice storm was probably, she was probably getting every ice stormish script offered to her. Mm-hmm. And 
Alien Resurrection lets her just be an action hero and play Ripley as a different character because it's not Ripley. It's a clone of Ripley, yep. some however many thousands of years in the future. Oh, and here's another clone of Ripley. Here's another clone of Ripley. And it's kind of neat even in that that like her actual kind of arc as Ripley gets to go in a completely different direction separate from what she does in Alien 3. Mm-hmm. And I forgot I, in Alien 3, I think still for me, one of the sexiest relationships on any film is her and Charles yep, Dance. In that Charles movie. Dance. My yep, yep, gosh, yep. I was thinking about that the other day. <sighs> I love it. Yep. I love it. Yep. Um, it's my favorite. And, and again, it's so am I wrong? Alien in the original Alien, Ripley was not a, a man or a, a woman. She was, she, she was, they decided to make her a woman after the script had been written. I think my understanding, I, and I've never like fact checked all of that, but I think the common um, consensus is that none of the characters, all of the characters had last names and nobody was identified by gender in the script. Mm. Um, so Ripley could have been a male character and probably was intended to be, um, but then they. I forget exactly why they cast Sigourney Weaver in the part and history was made. I think that has a lot to do with it, right? Because it's yeah. such a, it's such a, I don't like using these terms, but I mean, non, it's, it's, non-reliant on her being a female. If that yeah, it's, right. a, it's, a, it's, it could, it could be viewed as, as a more masculine role and maybe not having her not presented to us in a, in a way that a, a, an actress at that time might be presented to right. us could could very well have colored what the types of roles she got well yeah. into the future and and i again we're very lucky because it, it, what what happens to the ripley character because you just i mean you just talked about it in four it's almost like a whole different character and in three there's this amazing weird intense relationship that's tragic and awful and then she also gets to be very motherly and very like there's so many nuanced takes of that character within the same fucking yeah. franchise which is so cool well and even i think a lot of people have a, some issues with aliens with how because in the first film we know nothing about ripley we know yeah. you know she's another one of the workers on the ship she likes a cat uh so obviously we're all on her side but there is nothing you know she never taught she there's no romance in the movie and, and there's no comment about what's waiting for her on earth mm-hmm. and so then in aliens which establishes very heavily that she's a mom that she has a daughter back home now and now she has a new daughter surrogate and newt and i know there are many people who have a lot of hang-ups about that mm-hmm. that it does sort of take a character who was kind of just a badass just on her own without any anything tied to gender to then go into part two where it's like well now on, this is only a only a, a woman could be now Ripley in Alien 2 because now it's about being a mother. And I, because I think I never kind of went through Alien with the full, like, I, I never watched them all in order from beginning. I never, like, grew with the franchise. I kind of saw them all at different times and sort yeah. of put them all in different buckets. To me, they just kind of feel like four different and i uh, i think i stopped after four so they're they're just distinct different stories and different movies and because i think even alien 3 being so different in everything from both alien and aliens mm-hmm. um i'm not i guess i don't tie it to ripley because i think like well this is the mother aliens is ripley as a mother 
but that's that's just that one. And in Alien Three, it's Ripley more as um, more as an equal and a warrior, and so on. Like, so it doesn't bother me, but I can understand why it would maybe um, not rub everybody the right way. Do you have opinions on that? Um, how like how much the character changes, or how how just, it... yeah. I mean, I guess the kind of that Ripley and Aliens is very much defined by motherhood. Hmm. I think it's um for me it's a it's a natural um progression of the of of the films. Like mm-hmm. it, it is about rec- replication, recreation, um what is it like gestation, you know? Mm. Like yeah. so why Actually makes sense, yeah. It, 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 it to me feels like the obvious step. I, I do think maybe sometimes it's a little heavy-handed or mm-hmm. a little overly gendered. But then I, I actually like a lot of four. I think there's things in four yeah. that address that, and and I think that that there's so like not to go on too much of a tangent, but like so we're in a period now where we want like equality for women, and we don't want to be overly sexualized, and we want to be on. The, on the same level, but that often leads to women being desexualized. Yeah. And now the green M M&M and M can't wear boots. <laughs> and it's like, it's, we lose, we lose the slut. We lose the bimbo archetype type, which I think is important because yeah. I do think that it, it a, a sexualized woman exists. And I think it's important to show. Um, I'm, I'm, so I'm losing my, my own. No, no, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm on, I'm on the train. Keep going. Keep but driving. Like, I, I think that to remove, the the, the the idea about creating life and, and tying that to femininity is is doing a disservice to the to the concept of motherhood femininity womanhood mm-hmm. I, because i know we don't want to be tied to gender roles what is inherently masculine what right. is inherently feminine but i mean just biologically babies come from somewhere and if we don't explore what that means or what that looks like in a story or how that can impact a character's motivations Mm -hmm. then we're doing the the concept of femininity a disservice just like we are when we remove sexuality from it when we desexualize femininity when we take motherhood out of femininity we don't we we're just we just want equality to be masculinity which is weird like i don't want that i don't want a version of equality within the genders where i uh, where where motherhood isn't on the table as a topic right and and like i said i think it's it's pretty heavy-handed sometimes in those movies yes but i do think it's natural and normal and i'm kind of glad we got some time to explore it yeah i think that's why alien 3 has grown on me so much oh me too there's yeah. parts of it i hate it's it's so such a mess and like you yeah. know that it's that there's no version of that film that was exactly as it should have been mm-hmm. but i think what works the best in that movie is that and i bothered me when i watched it the first time that you know we open on uh newt and what's his name dead yeah. but that it's just this like right but here here okay so here's what we're left with we're left with ripley all alone and what is that who does she become well she you know has a good time with charles dance and she joins and fights and everything else like there's something really i think like innately powerful and sexy about ripley in that movie and the journey she goes on there uh that and again to look back like just imagine a world where it wasn't sigourney weaver cast as ripley like just yeah you know what 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 would the world be today who knows who can say 
Yeah, I wonder if the character would have stayed so enduring. Like, I I wonder, or if it would have been just a kind of a flash in the pan thing. Um, Because she does bring a lot to that, I think. And I I don't, uh, Zach knows a lot more of the behind the scenes. Like, he's very uh, attached to that franchise. So I I feel like I know stuff about her being very vocal about what she would and wouldn't Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, I think, didn't she say that... There would be no guns in part three, I think, was, like, one of her that, rules. That sounds kind of familiar. And I think, again, that's very interesting, too, that yeah. she even had an opinion on what this character would do or where where they would go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I really like those Alien movies. But also, like, there are so many problems with three and four that uh, they're tough to, like, get through and be like that was worth it you yeah they're they, they both have asterisks next to them yeah but there's but i think of them fondly very often there's great things in both of them i, yeah, I think and even alien resurrection which i think overall i it's been a long time since i sat down and watched it beginning to end i don't think i could ever argue it's a good movie but there's a lot in there that is yeah. worthy um, I, it's with, um, I'm sure you've had to deal with it, the conversations around AI-generated art. Mm-hmm. And every time I look at it, all I think of is is the clone scene in Resurrection. Like, they all look like Ripley version 3, Ripley version 4, every time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you and I both said we have not, we some of the movies we did not watch included Gorillas in the Mist. Because yep. it's not easy to find right now. It's not streaming anywhere and I did not want to use my the limited Netflix rentals that I have left before Netflix Ooh. closes its DVD doors for a movie that I knew would make me sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure, yeah. like, it's happy. I know she's okay. But, like, I'm sure there are apes who are, who are gorillas who are not misted happily. Yeah, that was one that I was kind of like, ah, I'm not going to seek this out. So also on my list of things I didn't watch mm-hmm. um, was, was You Again, which is a movie I've tried to watch before and I just can't it to me. I can't get into it, which you again is a uh, 2010, maybe. Yeah. 2010. And it's uh, Kristen Bell, um, Sigourney Weaver, Jamie Lee Curtis. I think Betty White's in it. Yeah. Maybe Victor Garber. Who else? That's a pretty movie? ridiculously good cast. Um, Kristen Chenoweth. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Boy, Patrick, Patrick Duffy. Duffy. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I can't. I've watched the trailer for it, I think, two or three times, and I think we started it once, and I just, I don't know, something about it, I I think is cringy. Mm, I just... Interesting. Like, oh, no, no thank you. Because it's like, I think it's about, like, high school rivals who find out their moms were also high school rivals, but, like, the rival is getting married to the brother of, I think. I don't know. So it's all, like, girls fighting yeah not and maybe maybe it's good maybe there's like a like a oh this is actually learned a lot but like every time i've tried to approach it i've been like Oof. yeah i i did not give that one a go uh the ones that i had debated watching that um just two of the ones that i think she's off are often described as being like two of her really good roles were death and the maiden and map of the world mm-hmm. um Death and the Maiden is the one directed by Roman Polanski, so I kind of yep. decided I nope. didn't need to do that to anybody, including myself. Uh, and the other map of the world just seemed um, long and sad, so I didn't go for it. Yeah, same on the the Polanski one. We were scrolling through um, 
some streaming thing and um i was like oh what about that one and zach looked at me and he's like that's the polanski one i was like, <laughs> like oh okay yeah, never mind. No, I'm good. He, he, he knows it's that's my personal choice i know we all have we all have our choices yep we have what we do and don't do that's mm-hmm. a big no for me yep yep it's generally one for me as well if i I I don't choose to sit there and have to think about and grapple yeah. with a lot of complicated things that at the end of the day, I know this man did terrible things and did not pay, and did not and was able to skirt them um, because of his fame. And that yep. bothers me more than certain other trespasses that other people can make. So yep. I, it's, I think at this point, it's about personal comfort yep. and what, what you, what you know and are aware of. Yes. I, I don't think any of us can be air quotes, perfect consumers of media. And I don't think a thing exists, but <laughs> we all make our own declarations. I think 100%. Um, so with all that being said, do you have any more to say about uh, Miss Susan Alexandra Weaver? <laughs> um, so I'm looking at my list to see if we didn't talk about something. Um, so a couple movies that she's in that I like uh, would be Be Kind Rewind. Um, oh, it's been so long since I've seen that. Uh, I like that movie. I The Ice Storm, but I did not rewatch it, so I don't feel smart enough to talk about it. And um, – Eyewitness is a is a movie from 81. Oh, that's like I one of her first things. Yeah, I don't think I like this movie, but I really like her in it. She's really beautiful and very like, I don't know. Her characterizations are always so interesting, even if it's just like, I'm a lady reporter. There's yeah. there's like more to, to chew on. And, and um, I think that, yeah, I can't say that I think... Uh, it's good and also james woods is in it so if that if he's on your list of avoid <laughs> as he is mine most of the time Fair. then avoid it but like her and william hurt are actually really good together i know i just complained about william hurt <laughs> i was gonna say now william hurt jeez sigourney pick me um, to work with i i think that this is it's a really interesting movie and and everybody's very young and cool in it and nice. i would recommend it but yeah sigourney weaver uh amazing Ghostbusters 2 changed my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Cabin in the Woods. And I always like seeing her in that. And that's, yes. that's basically my uh, feelings. Yeah. Uh, same. I think. What An and actor who I realize at a certain point, we kind of, I think we've taken for granted. Just yep. because she, and part of this might be because she is not overly outspoken. She... I think, you know, seems to make choices based on what she wants to do, does not seem to live the, you know, very high-profile life to where we, like, sometimes forget about her. And then she shows up in something. We're like, oh, yeah, Sigourney Weaver, what's she been up to? Oh, mm-hmm. a lot. She's worked very steadily, actually. So I would I would love for her to, like, have at least one more great role. I mean, she's, she's I was born in 49, so she's still actively working. She had apparently quite a few movies that came out all at once. I did not see the last Avatar, but I've heard she's like the highlight of it. Um, and so I'm sure she'll be in Avatar like seven through nine after that. But in general, like, yeah, and she still doesn't have an Oscar, and I feel like she really should. Yeah. You know? So that that's that's interesting that you bring bring up uh, Avatar. I have not seen Avatar ever, and it's currently on my never watch list, um, just cause. <laughs> So I, I saw the first one. It was actually better than I thought it would be. Um, 
and I saw the first one in the theater once, you know, at this point, whatever it was, 12 years ago. And it, it did look really cool. Um, the story was more involving than I expected it to be, just because everything I'd heard had told me it was going to be terrible. And I was, I found myself into it. Um, but I had no desire to see another one, especially a three and a half hour one. So I will probably. But I know, like, she gets to play kind of the, what I have heard is that she she gets to play essentially a teenage version of her character and that she is a delight. So mm. maybe I'll, I'll pull out her scenes and just watch them. That's, that's funny. Um, I mean, you're, don't, don't make me think about watching it. Stop I, it. Look, I, man, you, you, you went down that path. I just, I, know, I just let... I know. It's always right there. And the only reason I haven't seen it is because I never saw it. And now I don't want to see it. <laughs> and now I want to die knowing that I can put this on the tombstone. Yep. That Steve and Titanic. didn't see Avatar. Steve didn't see Titanic either. So... That's right, because that, I forgot we're gonna do a Titanic episode one of these days. I've never seen it. To watch it. I'm so we're gonna sorry. we're gonna watch Titanic and then Titanic Two, the Asylum version. Oh, that's fun! So I think we should do a Titanic episode, but I'll still not watch it, so <gasps> I can just tell you what my assumptions and beliefs are. You are missing out on a Billy Zane in oh. prime villain role. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. See? I'm going to chip away at you. Little by little. Chip you away. are. You, you'll mm-hmm. give me reasons. That's the thing I often say to Zach when he's like, he puts on a movie that he's been suggesting. And I'm like, wait, Blah's in this? Why didn't you lead with that? So people need to know how to push things on me. <laughs> Billy Zane is hot in it. Well, actually. Billy Zane with hair in Titanic. What more do you All need? Right. All right. And it Maybe. tucks for most of it. And it tucks, All you right. know, Christine. You're getting there. <laughs> all right, all right, a little more, a little more. I gotta, I gotta find another random actor who's in there that will appeal to you. David Warner, are you a David Warner fan? He's in oh, Titanic. Shit. Him okay. and Billy Zane. There, he works for Billy Zane in that movie. What? I, uh? I think, I think you're the closest anyone's ever gotten. So. Okay, okay, okay. Big hats, <laughs> big hats in that movie. Oh, that's for me. I'm the one that likes the big hats. Yeah, you like big hats. I know they're really good big hats. Okay, well, uh, so that was our. So going to be for discussion. We'll be back probably with a, what we've been watching at some point. Yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. Why not? Yeah, we're, uh, as always, continue to be the most organized podcast. And by the way, I didn't say it this episode. I have absolutely no idea what number episode this is. So who cares? It'll be a surprise when, it, when I actually do the <laughs> editing. There we go. Uh, on that note, I guess uh, everybody uh, have a good afternoon. Yeah, you have good times. Bye-bye. Blue in from Miami Beach, the OAC Didn't get to bed last night On the way, the paper bag was on my knee Man, I had a dreadful flight I'm back in the USSR You don't know how lucky you are, boy Back in the USSR In the U.S.S.R.